On this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, we discuss the latest news, discuss recent survey experiences, review plans for a coronavirus vaccine, discuss some of the effects of the shutdown and the pandemic, review recent guidance regarding the payroll tax deferral, and talk with our friend Nelson Gomes, Senior Vice President of Business Development for Medicus IT, about recent challenges in the IT industry. This episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey is sponsored by Medicus IT. Medicus IT is a healthcare-focused managed service provider with locations in Atlanta, Georgia, Phoenix, Arizona, Orlando, Florida, Newark, New Jersey, and Columbus, Ohio. They advise practices on how to establish secure, HIPAA-compliant, and efficient IT solutions while continually working alongside them to manage IT operations, further increasing efficiency and stability. For more information, please visit medicusit.com. Welcome to episode 113 of the ASC podcast with John Gailey for September 21st, 2020. We're recording from our studios in Spencerport, New York. This is Susan Cronkite, Chief Researcher for the ASC Podcast with John Gailey and Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. Joining me is John Gailey, Chief Operating Officer and Owner of AHS, recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. So we have to apologize to our audience for uh, the delay in getting these episodes out. Mm-hmm. We have we are a bit behind. As a matter of fact, when I wrote the script for this episode, I've redated <laughs> it three times because we thought we were going to get it two weeks ago and then yep. one week ago, and now here we are recording it kind of mm-hmm. frantically before our New York yeah. State Association meeting. Um, so we have been hosting uh, in our studios here the uh, New York State Association virtual conference uh, remotely. So we control the conference uh, recording from our studios here. They're doing four individual mini conferences on mm-hmm. four separate days. And it's been going very well. We uh, mm-hmm. we did our first week last week, and then we have two more episodes or two more uh, webinars this week, whatever we want to call them. Mm-hmm. I think it works out well that way. Then people don't have to take a full day or two off of work. Yeah. And I think the reason I bring this up, too, I, I know not all of our audience, of course, is from New York State, but uh, we are offering this to uh, other uh, state associations or other organizations that uh, might wish to uh, use our software and recording capabilities and, and uh, our ability to uh, push out these uh, conferences using our software. So if anybody else is interested, please uh, feel free to contact me uh, at info at ASCpodcast.com or at my telephone number, 585-594-1167, and we'd be glad to set you up. So we have been very busy. You know, that is the one line in our script that I always leave in there. Have I know. I, <laughs> Never I, change it. I don't know why I bother even saying it. It's, I think it goes without yeah. saying. Well, like you said, we had good intentions of getting this podcast out earlier and it- you know, crises just keep happening. It does. Well, and last Thursday, I was looking forward to sitting down and recording at least one episode, maybe mm-hmm. two episodes, until 8 o'clock came. And uh, I I think I was still in my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> I know, too much information. I don't know why, because we've been expecting things, and you're usually so prepared. And I then know. the one day, 
I mean, you got re- you you know you were out the door super quick. Well, but. thanks to you, you uh, <laughs> made my coffee for me, and I think finished uh, packing for me. But but yeah, so I had to rush off to New York City for a survey, and then while I was there, uh, so we had a, a survey for uh, one of our sites was due for a doom, deem status. Uh, a survey. Mm-hmm. And then uh, while I was there, the second day of the survey, we had a surprise survey at one of our sites, which was actually, it was interesting because the uh, the second survey was a, um, a complaint survey for mm-hmm. one of our, our sites. And it was uh, one of the accrediting organizations that came in. And what was interesting, first of all, it was a surprise because it, it certainly is one of our excellent facilities. I mean, we have excellent facilities across the nation, of course, but but this is one that I'm, I'm, I was least concerned about having uh, a complaint survey from. And somebody had complained, I think it was in March, about the preparedness of the organization for – the, for the, the pandemic. pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it was a disgruntled employee who had been fired and she, I guess, called or she or he uh, called Triple H C and, uh, and complained mm-hmm. it. It took them this long to get out there and do it. It was a very short survey. The surveyor, you know, found no grounds for the uh, complaint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, uh, it was it was actually a very good experience because the uh, the nurse manager there is new mm-hmm. uh, to Triple H C. has a lot of experience with Joint Commission. And uh, it was a really, I mean, the surveyor happens to be somebody that I know too. And uh, it went very well. wasn't really uh, uh, any. I mean, really, were no findings at all. And we felt very good about the nurse manager there because she yeah. knew exactly what they were doing to prevent any type of transmission. And I think that's really important at two points that you just never know when somebody's going to complain. Even if you're doing everything right, right. it can be somebody who's just upset or somebody who you know one of your employees maybe just wasn't obvious about washing their hands yeah. or something so as we've pointed out before make sure people are doing things in view of your patients and make sure that all of your staff is well aware of what you need to be doing so they can walk somebody through if they Come and check things out. Well, I think another lesson here, too, is that um, we had excellent documentation there of all of the efforts that had been mm-hmm. made to prepare for uh, reopening. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been, you know, they've been open since June in this case. They had uh, really, with our help, had really put together a nice looking electronic mm-hmm. binder yep. of all the information that had been done. And the surveyor really praised uh, the efforts that the organization went through in order to do this. So it, it was a, it was an e- <laughs> I won't say it was an easy survey for the mm-hmm surveyor. Uh, but, you know, we had all of our, our information available to her. But again, a big lesson here is that surveyors can show up for any, when I heard that they were showing up for this particular site, I was shocked because they're not even due for a survey in mm-hmm. two years. And so uh, again, uh, you know, be prepared all the time. That's mm-hmm. our, our theme, of course, is always be prepared. And, and again, it, uh, you know, this is not an organization that we would have expected a complaint to be lodged mm-hmm. against. So um, I, I think it was a good experience for us to, to a good reminder to us of mm-hmm. the things that can happen. And something we we're going to talk about a little bit later, but I'll just bring it up here, is always, as you said, always being prepared. But if you think you're going to wait until you know there's a survey due and start telling people this is what we need to do and these are best practices, number one, they can show up anytime and you want it to be second nature for your staff right. to say, no, this is what we do, this is what we do in this case. And also, we've seen on different surveys, the doctors maybe don't always practice what they should be doing. (laughs) And even when the surveyor's there... They sometimes forget and don't because, do the right thing because it's just not second nature to them, and correct. it should be because you always want to be doing the right thing, regardless of a survey. And, and to that point, we need if any of your doctors or any of your staff, for that matter, say, "Don't worry, 
on the day of a survey, I'll do it right. That is, in my view, probably the worst comment I ever want to hear uh-huh. uh, from somebody because there's no way that you will remember on that day to do it right. Uh-huh. And it's not right to only do it right when a surveyor is there, of Yeah, course. there's a reason for these rules. <laughs> That's it's right. not just to pass the survey. Exactly. But, well yeah. said. Um, so, uh, again, a point that I want to make is that the survey activity is in full swing right mm-hmm. now. Um, we live in New York State, and uh, I know in New York State and Maine, two states that I've had a little bit of ex- uh, recent experience with, uh, it is very difficult to schedule those surveys. So our survey schedulers are having a difficult time um, pulling together those surveys in those states because of the restrictions on travel uh, and people coming from out of state. And another thing that I found is that the surveyors that we are seeing are not generally the more experienced ones that we've seen in the past. Huh. Uh, I think a lot of the experienced ones, and I know a couple very very well, Ann Geyer, for example, Ann, unfortunately, is not able to uh, travel yet because her company will, uh, I think they've uh, chained her to her desk down in <laughs> Florida there. And uh, I the last time I talked to Ann, which has been a couple weeks, um, she's not allowed out until uh, I think it was January uh, yet, you know, for her safety. And the, the, sa- the company is very careful about uh, uh, about her and, well, and any of their employees. So I think uh, we're not seeing the most experienced surveyors necessarily out there. And I've noticed that sometimes these uh, surveys take a little longer than I would expect as mm-hmm. they're uh, kind of muddling through some of the information that's out there. So just be prepared for that, you know understand that uh, a survey might be a little more difficult if you're trying to train the surveyor at the same time or if the surveyor doesn't have a lot of experience in ambulatory surgery centers mm-hmm. or they just, uh, you know, and some surveys, surveyors don't do a lot of surveys in a year. Uh, and that that's difficult to kind of get back in the swing of things. And I, I'll say, I you know, I haven't done a survey um, since I think it's February is the last time I was out. And I'm going out in October for my first couple surveys. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that it'll be a little slow going as I try to get back in the swing of things. Yep. And as you said, it, you might think, well, they're not that experienced. So we're not, they're not going to be as hard on us, but oh, no. it doesn't go that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, and, and exactly. I mean, that's what I found last week is with one of the surveys is that it just was very slow going because uh, the the individual was having a tough time, mm-hmm. you know, recognizing the information that we were providing. And we had to do a lot more explaining there. So be prepared. Now, that's not to say. I mean, there are a lot of experienced surveyors out there. We just haven't necessarily seen them yet in our mm-hmm. in our practice, our day-to-day stuff. And so, uh, speaking of surveys, uh, the Joint Commission has a webinar on preventing coronavirus transmission in ASCs. And I'll just read their little description. This pre-recorded webinar will provide an overview of the spectrum of clinical presentations and routes of transmission of COVID-19 with an emphasis on key issues and prevention strategies that freestanding surgical centers should consider prior to resuming elective procedures. Now... Yeah, I, I'm thinking it was bit, prepared prior to yes. the uh, reopening, but it still <laughs> it has a lot of information. But it does have, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and we'll give you a link to that uh, webinar on our uh, in our show notes mm-hmm. here, too. And then um, the CDC is asking states to be ready to distribute COVID-19 vaccines on November 1st. That seems yeah. awful soon, but it uh, does. I hope that's the case, though I'm not sure I'm going to be one of those first ones to take it. I know, I know. Uh, well, here in, in Rochester, um, I think the U of R is, is testing some right. vaccines. So, you know, hopefully we'll keep our fingers crossed that at least... 
by the end of the year, hopefully, some right. things might start to change. Well, and and the research that's going into it, and the uh, the care that they're uh-huh. taking and preparing this is very good. I I just don't like to be the first one on, on anything. <laughs> don't experiment on. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, when I buy a car, I wait for the model to be out there mm-hmm. for about four years. Yep, yep. So, something else we wanted to talk about is just some of the effects of the pandemic, not even to do with the acute illness, but. Depression, other mental health issues are really increasing. Uh, Substance abuse, overdoses, you know, a lot of that's due to people that are, you know, you lose your job. People are being more isolated. So anybody that was struggling before can, you know, just be struggling so much more. Um, And the uncertainty and stress that is associated with that, people don't know if they're going to get sick. And in some populations, you may be the only provider the patient has seen recently if they don't have regular medical care. So, you know, just be aware, ask questions, um, and have resources available to provide to your patient if they're open to it for, you know, if you see somebody that looks like they may be struggling yeah, um, and with I, depression. And I think this is uh, a real good point to talk about a little further in that be prepared for patients that have mm-hmm. these types of issues. I have much more anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sorry, doctors, but be prepared for pre-op taking longer, post-op mm-hmm. taking longer. Yeah. Uh, though the patient might want to get out faster, but but mm-hmm. definitely there's going to be a lot more explaining that you have yeah. as to the precautions you're taking. You're going to want to make sure that the patient, as we've talked about extensively, making sure the patient sees you doing all the cleaning, mm-hmm. making sure that uh, it's quite obvious. Obvious the precautions that you have uh, put in place for their safety, yeah. uh, and and of course the cleaning in between cases, mm-hmm. all of those other factors that are 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 part of us being able to open for uh, for elective procedures uh, have to have to be taken care of. Yeah. We talked about this during the New York State Association meeting. Uh, the importance of not rushing cases that mm-hmm. uh, these doctors need to understand that it is not going to be uh, business as usual for quite some mm-hmm. time to come. And, and another thought that I have too, Sue, is that this is also affecting our employees. Mm-hmm. You know, they are going True. through the same things our patients uh, do, and we have to be uh, open. Uh, and same thing, we need to be open to listening to their their concerns, mm-hmm. uh, open to uh, the challenges that they're having, even with their own children going back to uh, yeah. school. We yeah. we have a little bit of experience there. Your uh, grandsons mm-hmm. uh, started co- school recently, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, your daughter is one of our employees, and it yeah. uh, it is not and an easy. Do any day with her third one. Third one, right? So we're all on we're we're all on pins and needles. But yeah. yeah, it's just you know people are struggling not just with work things, but things at home, and you do have to be aware of that because it does affect people. It's you, you know people don't necessarily think as clearly. Right. People overreact to any stressful situation and maybe a little snappier, or, right. you know, and and they just need a little bit of. You may have to build in some cushion time or. or I hate to say it, even give people a little bit of extra time off if they need it. Or... Yeah, because the risk is that we're going to lose them. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. especially our nursing staff that are in high demand in other locations, our, our nurse managers, these are the people I worry about the mm-hmm. most. Um, if they're, they've got struggles at home, they just might say, this is it, you know, I'm going to find a different job mm-hmm. that's not so stressful. Or, or if they have the resources, maybe yeah. they'll just not work for a while. So away from COVID, right. we, we have our, our dear friend uh, George Scores, who's a pharmacy consultant in uh, in New York State, uh, advised us of a uh, situation with an epinephrine injection. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So um, the safety advisory is for impacts epinephrine injection auto injector zero point three milligrams. It may be missing its yellow stop collar, which could result in a medication overdose. So they suggest that you visually inspect for the yellow uh, stop collar. If it's missing, contact uh, the pharmacist. It's it's 
Amneal Pharmaceuticals Drug Safety Department. We've got some information that we can put on our site, but obviously, you know, if you have that syringe, you're going to have the information to reach them. But yeah, take a look at it. If you have any questions, just call and check with them. Right. Um, and interestingly, uh, we did not find this through the FDA. So mm-hmm. George, fortunately, is very diligent about mm-hmm. checking on all the he recalls. Is. And this didn't come through the normal channels, which is a little concerning to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, George says that this happens frequently. So again, George Scores, thank you so much for uh, putting this on. And it, uh, so the the, uh, the brand name is Impax, I-M-P-A-X, an epinephrine in- yep. injection, auto-injector. And as I said, it's we'll a 0.3 milligram one. Yeah. We'll put it on the uh, the website. Yeah. And the FDA did put out a notice about gowns from Laws of Motion PPE due to potential problems with the fluid barrier protection. There's different levels of protection, and I think they, they weren't marked right or, or they weren't. There was some issue. So if you have um, any gowns from Laws of Motion, then, you know, check with them and stop using them. You have some information about the IRS tax deferral payback. I'll let you take Yeah, Yeah, financial (laughs) stuff again. Uh, So we do have some guidance from the IRS regarding the president's executive order on August 8th regarding the employee payroll tax deferral. So uh, this uh, the guidance uh, verifies that employees are ultimately responsible for paying back the deferred tax. So uh, so what happened with this uh, president's order is he allowed effective. September 1st through December 31st, an employer to defer the employee's payroll taxes. And there was a concern that the employer would be responsible for paying those taxes back. Mm. Uh, so a coalition of, of employers uh, went to the IRS and said, you know, give us some guidance as to what this means. So the guidance verifies that employees are ultimately responsible for paying back the deferred tax uh, through employer withholding once the deferral period is over, which is at the end of 2020. Under the executive order, taxes on wages paid to an employee between September 1st, 2020 and December 31st, 2020 can be deferred, but only if the amount of such wages is less than $4,000 for a biweekly pay period. And that would be uh, postponed until the period beginning January 1st, 2021 and ending on April 30th, 2021. Now, important note here is that businesses can opt out of this program. So if you don't want to go through the hassle of this, and if your employees don't particularly need this benefit uh, or don't want to defer their taxes and then end up having to pay it in 2021, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure the real benefit of this. Uh, but if they do opt in to the payroll taxes, they, they will be deferred until January 1st, at which time the companies will have to withhold the taxes from the paychecks in larger amounts so that the employees can pay back what they owe. Uh, This guidance is significant because the original intent from the executive order was that the employer would be responsible for paying back the taxes. And the executive order left open the possibility of forgiving the deferred tax later on. Since the Congress only has the power to waive the taxes, all the order can do is postpone them uh, Mm -hmm. when the taxes are due. And of course, there's just a lot up in the air as to whether at this point, it didn't seem like Congress was uh, interested in waiving those taxes. So really, I think this the effect of this is uh, just delaying the amount that you owe on payroll taxes until January, mm-hmm. which I don't think is a – personally, I don't think is a really healthy thing for employees because all you're doing is postponing yeah. it to a future date. I mean, if somebody really struggled through this and, and are waiting for, you know, some – a major People payment in January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if that were to happen. But I, I think we're all concerned that January, it's not going to be any easier to pay that mm, back. Could so. be worse again. That's right. Know. 
I did want to mention something with regard to New York State. So this is only about New York State at this point, is that we have found – so those of you that are not aware uh, from other states, is New York State requires all patients uh, that are in an ambulatory surgery center, have a procedure in an ambulatory surgery center, have to have testing for COVID-19 prior to the case. And unfortunately, some centers in New York – have decided not to do the testing for local cases, and they are about to get into a lot of trouble. So the the governor's executive order allowing centers to open up for elective cases did not exempt any type of case. They require all cases, local and anesthesia cases, to have COVID-19 testing done. So it is not acceptable to only test for uh, non-local cases. We've been made aware of this. We have notified uh, as many of the centers as we can notify uh, that we're doing this, uh, that uh, there is a a significant risk of your licensure. The governor has indicated that uh, he would be considering uh, taking away the license of those organizations that fail to follow the executive order that required this testing be done. I guess another point I want to make here, and again, this is only New York State, is that even if if you do an urgent case uh, where you can't do the local case, in other words, something that is determined to be non-elective, you still have to do the testing. You might not be able to do it prior to. Mm-hmm. So if the patient comes in, you, you indicate that it's an urgent case, you are uh, still required to do the COVID testing. It just has to be done after. Uh, the case is done, and then that information has to come back to uh, mm-hmm. to the surgery center. So again, New York State only. And then just a couple notes about the some of the surveys that we've had that we haven't actually discussed already is that we've had some issues with regard to kind of unusual things happening mm-hmm. with these surveys. Like in one case, we had a survey team show up on a date that had been blacked out. In other words, that we had already told the accrediting organization uh, that the surgery center would not be open or would not be available for a survey. Uh, and they showed up anyway. And that ended up uh, being quite a hassle. First of all, I was in oh, Ohio. That was terrible. You. <laughs> I was eight hours away from them, and I yeah. started driving to New York when I heard about uh, the surveyor showing well, up. You were almost to Ohio. I was almost. You to were Ohio. like zigzagging across. Yeah, the country, ten hours in the road. Yeah, and I never got anywhere. You went one way, they turned, but yes, it was. Yeah. So, crazy so day. but two hours later, that's when they canceled the survey mm-hmm. when they realized the mistake. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately for the center, you know, they did try. I mean, in all fairness, they tried to make it work, but they didn't mm-hmm. have any patients. Yeah. And they weren't going to have any patients the next day, so they just weren't able to to, to pull this off. And the survey organization ended up pulling the team. So I, I don't know what my point here is other than, you know, we're, we are in a different world here and mistakes mm-hmm. are going to happen. And I think, uh, you know, these accrediting organizations are trying the best they can to to deal with these challenges. But yeah. inevitably, there's uh, there's going to be some things. Pro- yeah, things are not going as smoothly as they used to go if if you could ever call a survey smooth. Right, but. exactly. <laughs> I did want to remind our listeners about a couple upcoming things. We have the ASC Finance Accounting Reimbursement Fall Seminar coming up on December 3rd and 4th. That is a joint production of the ASC podcast with John Gailey and Christina Benton at Coding Compliance Management. Uh, the fall conference will include uh, the latest information on the final 2020 HOPD ASC CMS regulatory uh, information, as well as uh, more finance and accounting and reimbursement topics. So uh, for more information, go to our website at ASCPodcast.com or uh, look for the show notes on this. And then our Administrators Boot Camp is uh, moving on. So the Administrators Boot Camp uh, prepares administrators for the challenges of ASC administration. And it, it's a comprehensive program to prepare centers for the challenge of leading and managing an ambulatory surgery center. The boot, boot camp includes reading materials, virtual 
virtual private consultations and an intensive four-day virtual conference presented in January 2021. It's uh, from the 26th to the 29th. Uh, the program is designed for new administrators and administrators that wish to enhance their, their skills or administrators that wish to prepare for certification. For more information, go to our website at ASCPodcast.com and uh, we'd be glad to sign you up. It's a very limited uh, registration for this program. It's going to be a relatively small cohort, so you probably want to sign up for it pretty quickly. And then we also want to remind everyone to become a patron member of the podcast. A major addition to the patron members is that they can now access some of the virtual conferences from 2020, including It's a New World Conference 2020, the Infection Control and Service to Meet the Challenges of COVID-19, uh, the 2020 ASC Mandatory Education Program, and the ASC Roadmap to Recovery. Uh, for more information, again, go to ASCPodcast.com. So let's take a short break and we'll come back for our focus segment. We get IT for healthcare. Strategic, preventive, managed IT services built for compliance and security issues, created to support practices' clinical workflows, and keep their revenue cycles running smoothly. And we do IT right. For practices, physicians, and patients, solving and importantly preventing technical issues so offices can operate seamlessly and enhance their overall patient experience. In a world of generalist IT practitioners, Medicus is the healthcare IT specialist. Preventive, strategic, deeply experienced. John and I are here with Nelson Gomes. He's a good friend who we've spoken to a number of times on the podcast. He is a senior vice president of business development for Medicus IT. Welcome, Nelson. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a while, so I'm glad to be back. And it's nice to not be in lockdown. I think last time you and I talked on uh, the podcast was during the lockdown. And, of course, you were involved in a couple of our uh, virtual conferences also. So Yeah, it was in lockdown. I uh I remember I was talking about, well, if you hear a dog in the background or some <laughs> rumbling kids, please don't mind it. So, yeah, I, I remember that clearly. Yeah, it's still happening for us. Uh, luckily, we didn't bring the uh, the puppy downstairs for the interview today. But uh, so, uh, you know, I thought uh, you and I talked a little bit before we uh, prepared this interview here about uh, the changing landscape of IT. I mean, really, uh, so many things have impacted IT as oh. a result of going back to work. The, the fact that we still have issues of uh, social distancing and, you know, trying to keep people out of uh, harm's way as much as possible. So I thought we would just kind of talk about, why don't we just start with, you know, what have been some of the challenges uh, on the IT star side with uh, opening up for elective surgery again with all of our centers now uh, starting to get back to full capacity? I think it's uh, a number of things, right? So one of the things that I think we're seeing more is the, uh, the collaborative effort beforehand uh, wasn't there. If, if, if anything, this is a good thing. So I'll, I'll start with that. Let's start with some good news first. Yeah, right? good. <laughs> I, I think the collaboration was was one of the big things with, with, during COVID, where you know people were working from home. How did people collaborate with with coworkers? And you know, picking up the phone and, and having to do that was kind of a pain. So using you know third party tools in order in order to do a lot of that collaboration was a huge benefit zoom being one of them mm -hmm. but we saw a lot of the the our end 
clients that were using, for example, Office 365, which is really a collaborative platform that at that point in time really had no other choice, to be quite honest, to really use that full power. Right. And I think that, you know, it, it was one of those example by fire, right? Well, there's a fire. We got to do something. So this is what we have. This is the tool that we have to use. And I think they were like, oh, this is not that so bad. Actually, it's really good. Yeah. So we saw a, an uptick where people started using the tool a lot better. And in other words, weren't so afraid of using technology and were intimidated by it. They saw it as a, as, as a tool. And we're seeing that more and more now that people are adopting, are, are open to that adoption, right? Um, which is a great thing. So that that's that's one of those things that I think was negative coming, you know, coming into COVID where how are we going to collaborate? How are we going to do those things? So a lot of those things were identified and now they're taking the necessary steps because, you know, there's obviously we know that there's a concern of a second wave and how is that going to impact everybody? So preparing for the next wave of COVID and what are some of the things that we're doing? I think going back was more of, to be quite honest, from a technology standpoint, was security was the biggest scare, right? Yeah. You know, knowing that healthcare facilities more than ever were a huge target, you know, uh, hackers were going on social media saying, we're going to have a field day now, now that the, a lot of these physicians practices and, and surgery centers are, are using telehealth and the security is not as it, as heightened as it should be. So we're going to have a field day, you know, and I, I think coming back, people had that, were a little bit scared, but at the same time, I see it as a positive thing, right? So you know that that might be a concern. Now you have your, your sense of, awareness is higher. So I, I think that that, tr- you know, translated to the staff to be like, all right, we really get in, need to really pay attention to some of that. So I think administrators and uh, a lot of the, the operational uh, staff kept that in mind and, 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 and are continuing to keep that in mind. So I, I think coming back is right now, I think uh, one of the biggest challenges. I think um, one of the other things to, to consider is the coming back and, and understanding, well, what I have now, if a second wave comes, Am I going to be well prepared for it? And I think those are some concerns, like whether it's how having the ability to access stuff remotely again, you know, remotely. And if they didn't have it in the past and it wasn't working, what is the kind of investment that they need to do? Do they have to look into putting maybe their their, their practice management EHR system in the cloud? Yeah. And if they do, what are the costs associated with that? So th- I, if anything, I think those may be one of the more of the precautionary things is if I kind of come back. How am I going to do that? I think one of the technology things that innovated a, a lot of coming back, again, another positive thing is is using thermal scans where we've seen a lot of some of our clients use it, right? Where instead of using the whole thermometer and, and, and doing that whole thing where it automatically scans you, you, just walk up to it, it sees you, it automatically scans you, look, see if you have a mask on, checks your temperature, and it goes red or green and allows you in or it doesn't allow you in. So a lot of that information then gets process goes into a database, keeps track of, of, of that person coming in and out. So we thought that that was pretty innovative. So we're seeing more the new norm of what are the, you know, of coming back into the office as an end user, you know, what technology can be put into place to make that whole process a lot easier, right? If you have a whole bunch of people coming at the same time and they're scanning themselves and checking temperature and going through that process, it's a, it's a process. So that slows, slows down things. So again, just like in any other scenario, what technology can be put into place in order to to make that process more efficient? Yeah, let me actually uh, 
because uh, Sue and I visited one of our centers uh, last week mm-hmm. um, where they were using that technology, and mm-hmm. both of us were blown away by it. Uh, and and I thought I knew because I'm a geek like like you. Well, you're yeah, you can say that. Yeah, okay, like, okay, okay. I'm a geek too. You geeks can call each other. Geeks. <laughs> That's right. We yeah, can call each other. Other people can't. Exactly. I think it showed a mask though. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't. That I didn't. Actually, no, it, it can tell if you have a mask on or not. That's wow. Really so can you talk a little bit about that technology? And I is are there competitors out there or is there only one product that does No, this? I, I think it's a number of competitors that are out there. I think th- there are some that really uh, came out first uh, and foremost. And really, it's a thermal scan. Yeah. They put it on an iPad or they put it on, on, on a device and it's a piece of software that's doing – they're using the camera as a retinal scan. And sometimes they're at adding their own component with it yeah. that kind of measures that. So it's not – I think it's innovative because they're taking one product and taking another product and they're kind of meshing it together mm-hmm. and to be able to, 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 to provide a solution. So I, I think from an innovation standpoint, it's a great idea. And, you know, and, and I think it has to do with being able to hop on those type of ideas sooner than later and being able, I mean, there's it, the market's going to be, I think, you know, as, as we go through this, continue to do that. You know, now it's doing temperature. Can it do something else? I right. don't know. I mean, uh, you know, nowadays in technology, who knows? But, uh, you know, for now, for that purpose, I think it's a great product. I think it's a great way. Not only is it something that it, it serves a purpose to really scan your employees, but for your patients. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen it where it's doing it for the patients as well, where, you know, you, you go to that whole scan and it's scanning you before you go into the office to allow you to go in and, uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that you go through that process. Instead of a nurse, you know, now you're using a resource that has to wait outside, scan you, record it, mm-hmm. let you in. Where something like this is going through that process, very simple, red or green. You're yeah. green, you can go. If you're red, sorry, you can't come in. Mm-hmm. So I think from a process and efficiency standpoint, that technology is, I, I think you're going to see more and more adoption of it. Well, and I really, I really want to talk about it for a second because um, on the safety part of it too, right? Because there's not a, you're not having to go out and approach the patient or the other employee and then find out, oh, they do have a high fever. And now I've just been standing in front of them, even with your mask, it's still, you can avoid that with this. Well, in this particular center, it was located in the lobby. Mm -hmm. So there was no direct contact between the patient and the individual. They were only allowing one individual in uh, at a time. And and here here's what I think is important. Up until they installed that, they had an employee. Yep. Uh, and and many of our centers, if not most of them right now, have had to hire an additional person yep. or have had to task an individual mm-hmm. person. So this particular product, and and by the way, we need to say if if you can mention any uh, brand names, I don't men- mind it here. Uh, and just uh, none of them are sponsors, none of them are advertisers. So we make right. no um, neither uh, Nelson or I make. We're not endorsing any of these products, yeah. but they are things that at least you can look at a little bit uh, and then look into more because I think this is very critical. This can save you a lot of money. And well, so and there's and there's um, off the top of my head, I would have you know honestly, I, I don't remember brand names. Okay, honest, so my apologies there, but there's a number of them. There, I mean, and, and if you just do thermal scanning, temperature scanning, you'll find a ton of them. Just, well, well and we'll try to find it uh, when uh, in the show notes. We'll try to put yeah, it into the show notes. But so. we've seen a number of different uh, vendors that are doing that are adapting to that. Yeah, and I think you're going to see more and more that are going to go through that process. Absolutely. So that's. Unfortunately, you know, you see innovation when there's a problem or there's a need to do something. Here's a perfect example of one. I think that's 
you know, from an innovator standpoint, if I'm an innovator, I'm going to do now that one. And how cool would it be if you can do one of those quick tests to check your, I don't know, that it pinches you and yeah. automatically can tell you in 15 minutes, you know, all in one, in one spot. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So I'm sure somebody, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person that thought of it. Um, so I think you're going to see more and more of that technology coming out. You know, we're, we're hearing rumblings with obviously the, the, the apples and the Amazons of the world that are, you know, that they want to be high tech and innovators to find some of that technology. So whether it's them doing it, whether it's them partnering with other companies that are doing it, I mean, you're looking at Walmart out of all places, how they're doing stuff now with in the healthcare space, right? right? So who knows? I want to shift a little bit to uh, sure. uh, to talking about the offsite. In other words, having uh, employees working offsite, for example, billing right. people, pre-op uh, histories and physicals, you know, conversations, uh, many different uh, uses, perhaps not as much as in perhaps some other industries, but with ASCs, uh, there are some options for this. Sure. And you and I were talking about this uh, before we uh, we started the recording uh, about uh, w- one of the problems we have right now is many many of our younger parents are having a challenge going back to work because they might have to be uh, taking care of their school aged children uh, who wow. might not be allowed to to work from home. So can you talk a little bit about some of the technological issues that you've dealt with and some of the solutions that you've come up with for the clients uh, to deal with this remote and also talk a little bit about the risks uh that you have i mean here's here's what we're seeing i I think from let's take technology out of it it's a difficult situation no matter how you cut it right i i think every every industry every business in in this day and age that you know that has parents that are working from home and have kids that are working from home it's going to be a difficult task to be able to balance doing your work and and, and handling your children during school time, right? Yeah. And, and we've seen where, you know, uh, some people are just taking days that they have to spend the time with their children because they really can't dedicate the time that they really want to work. Right. Uh, it's unfortunate. As far as technology is concerned, here's what happened. First and foremost, I think connectivity is going to be the biggest challenge is if you have a family and you have two or three kids, something to think about, that are doing work, so they need access to Zoom. I'm sure they're doing Zoom calls. And at the same time, you're at, you know, you're yeah. doing your own remote work. Connectivity is going to be king, right? I yeah. remember, you know, you know, being at home and my kids being on Xbox and one on this and one on that. And you're yelling across from, hey, you're sucking up all my bandwidth, yeah. right? Now they're still sucking it up, but they're sucking, you know, you can't say, hey, get off that Zoom call, right. with, you know, with school. <laughs> so and and now you have to look at those options to say, okay, what am I going to do? I, do I have to spend a little bit more to increase my bandwidth now, yeah. so that I can have that kind of a speed that I that I actually need? It's not just for me; it's for all those other around me, right? Right. So work from home. Then the other the other issue is, if you're working from home, are you using your own desktop and laptop? Yeah. To connect, and if you are, right, you know, you may be putting your organization at risk depending on what you're using and how to connect. Obviously, you know, I'm assuming that, you know, people are using, and I hate to use the word assume, are using, you know, the right technology to connect remotely back to an office, you know, using secure protocols and security products like VPN to ensure that those connections are encrypted and, and, and you're protected. So those are some of the things, you know, having your own home machine and connecting to different things that you need to go for work purposes, it can be a risk. Now, We've seen 
some organizations say, here you go, here's your own, here's your laptop or here's a desktop mm-hmm. that you work with here in the office, take it home. Right. Now, as an organization, for example, as a managed service provider, we can still manage that desktop. It's the organization's desktop, it's the organization's technology that we have the ability to manage. So we know we're always looking out for any of those threats that may, that we need to worry about as far as uh, you know maintaining the, the, the system. Right. Performance, the same thing. We're looking at the performance. You know, if 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 somebody calls us and they're having an issue with with their computer, then we you know that that is owned by the organization. We can help them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If we're if they call us and they're having an issue with their own personal computer, it's a liability. It's a problem. Yeah. So I can tell you, not just for us, but I would I would tell you any other managed service provider, is it's a concern because now you're liable of touching somebody's machine that you don't have your security protocols on that you don't have the tools in order to, to manage that that system there's only so much that that provider that service provider can can do for that end user based on that computer that's owned by the by the end user right we don't want to touch it we don't want to we don't want to do anything that may cause any issues that we don't know what, what the background is so it, it's it's very touchy on how far we can we can help them up to a certain point so i think that's going to be a challenge and obviously if somebody doesn't have a computer to do their work, how are they going to be able to work from home? Yeah. Right. If the organization has to, has to now go out and buy something, there's a cost associated with that. So finding that balance. And I, I would tell you, you know, the audience to start thinking about that for that second wave, Yeah. prepare, yeah. take those lessons learned that, you know, from the first wave into the second wave to say, if it happens again, what were some of the things that I learned from the first time from a technology standpoint that I can implement that can make things a lot easier? So I think one takeaway from this, uh, Nelson, is that you really should be using computers. If somebody's going to, if one of your employees is going to be working remotely, it really needs to be a computer that's owned by the uh, the center. I would say so because you throw the other thing that you need to think about, right? Mm-hmm. Having a computer is great. What happens to those users that need to interact with clients that need to use a phone? Yeah. How are you going to do that, right? So in, in this day and age, we're, we're seeing a lot of what we call VoIP solutions, so voice over IP solutions, where they use what we call soft phones. And yeah. those soft phones can be used on, a, on, a, on an actual computer or even on your cell phone so that you can manage a form to make those phone calls if you need to. So that's another thing you know that you need to think about. We always think about, oh, we'll just use our cell phone. Okay, um, that's fine and dandy, but but do we really want to uh, give a client our cell numbers? Yeah, right. When we're having those, you know, when we're doing that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there are solutions out there. I have an iPhone that actually has two uh, SIM cards in it: one for work and one for, I'm yep. sorry, one for personal and one for business. So, right, uh, right, and that right. way, that phone number only goes to uh, you know the clients. So, th- that, well, the great thing is, I have my cell phone, and I don't have another SIM card. I have a soft phone application that if you were to call me, yeah, I, my office number, it rings here, it also rings here on my phone. So I can take that phone call here. Good point. I can do yeah. conference calls. I can do all that fun stuff. Now, not only can I do it on my cell phone, I can do it on my, uh, on my desktop laptop as well. So the yeah. technology is out there. I would even say, you know, there are folks that don't even know that they have it available. Right. So Good point. something to think about. That's definitely something, especially for those that are interacting with patients more than anybody else. I think it's important to have for sure. And then, and then again, I go back to the collaboration tools. If you don't have one, get it. Yeah. Like Microsoft Teams, there's no cost. Uh, I, I don't believe there's any cost. They, they used to be free. I, I think it still is where 
it's a great you, it has up to a certain point that you can do some collaboration with it, right? Yeah. But collaboration is, is key to be able to, right. to communicate, whether it's through uh, uh, voice or voice and video or even through chat or create channels to have w- within. I mean, I, we love Teams. We're a big component of it. We actually did it recently did a, a, a case study with Microsoft Teams with one of the largest urology groups in the country that they're based out of, uh, out of Georgia and how it saved them. It basically saved their business because of the ability to be able to collaborate amongst all the different offices. So it's a great story. And I guess I uh, make a push for uh, Google because we use the the Google apps internally. Same thing. You still have that same ability with with, with the Google app. So collaboration in in this day and age is very important to be. Use one tool to share multiple different uh, technologies together is, is, you know, well, it's something uh, th- that you're going to see continue to grow for sure. Yeah, and actually, let me uh, point that out. What so we actually use a Google Doc uh, mm-hmm. when we're recording a podcast, so that anybody that's involved in it, either for a podcast or for the um, our virtual conferences, which is live, which means you know multiple people can be entering information yep. in at the same time. Uh, it's almost like a chat function in a way because you can see as that next thing comes up yep. in the uh, in the schedule how people have been evolving, you know, uh, revising as it goes along. So well, I mean, yeah, look at point. it as from a productivity standpoint. You know, if, if, incredible. If I'm if I have an open spreadsheet in Google to be able to make the changes live, and it's just not in Google, right? Yeah, uh, it's, uh, plenty of tools Microsoft out there. Teams yeah. as well within Microsoft Office 365. It, it's right there. You know, yeah. people can make be making change, you know, on demand right there and then, and, and there's no effect. Oh, let me, see, you know, a truly, a truly collaborative technology is just going to make everybody more efficient. So there's anything you're going to take away from today is collaboration and one of the tools out there to make you, to make you more efficient. So let's uh, let's end with another discussion we were talking about. Uh, many of our clients are asking, well, you know, how long am I going to have to be doing remote? How long am I billing people going to have to be remote? And, and uh, you know, one of the answers that we've been giving is, well, maybe this is a permanent solution. Maybe you can reclaim that office space that you used to have, and that individual can continue to work off-site and then come in periodically for meetings uh, or use Zoom meetings, you know, to uh, to replace those, uh, those one-on-ones. And we know that we have a lot of employees right now. I don't know if it, I should say a lot, but we have many employees that have are not able to come back to work because they're having to be the teacher. You know, they're having to assist their school-aged children who can't be left right. alone at home. Uh, and if we can't come up with this, not only is this solution good for the center, but it's good for the employee and allows them to come back to work. So I think, uh, you know, those re- that remote working that we were just talking about could could have that benefit also. Yeah, and I think that if that's going to be a long-term thing, just like anything else. I think you have to plan it out and think about all the different things that are going to impact um, that resource that's going to be working off-site. And I think whether, you know, you know, I, I go to the policy thing. I mean, that's your thing, John, right? Yeah, yeah. What are the, how does that differentiate, right? If you're working from home, what is the expectation of of that employee? Yeah. You're working from home. We're still expecting you to work. You know, what are the boundaries? What are you like? You know, what is the organization liable for during that time that you're technically on the clock? Mm-hmm. Um, so using technology to kind of be able to manage that might is a good, it, it may be something to do, whether it's, hey, I'm on the clock now or I'm off the clock and using again, you know, collaboration tools to be able to do that right. so that people know when they're on and off. Right. I think that, that that's something to, to, to really think about. I think that 
it's about planning and, and having a plan to create a, a remote technology strategy, yeah. period. What's your strategy? Different people are going to have different approaches, depending. You know, for example, in the ASC market, and if you, you know, if you have an internal builder, you have somebody that's a scheduler, do they really need to be on site? I, I think you're going to start seeing that, John. I, th- I think, yeah, I agree. You know, I, I think a lot of these centers are going to be like, well, maybe there's an advantage to having somebody working, you know, from home to be able to do this mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think that in the ASCs of tomorrow, are we already thinking that way, right? When we yeah. when we open up a new center, are we thinking about even having that space, right? Or are right. we just saying let's just use the whole work from home? I think the biggest the biggest variable there is are we going to get the same type of efficiency that that employee? Right? I think it really depends. You know, like in my industry, we could do everything remotely, yeah. but the one thing that we lack is that collaboration piece, which we have the tools, right. but that human collaboration, right? Yeah. And I think it takes a toll on you when you can't look, you know, from our perspective, just to share, to be able to kind of look over to the other queue and say, hey, I'm, I'm working with a client, this, this, and this. Have you seen this before? And to type it. it's not reactionary. I don't know if that comes across the right way, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, in certain, I think in, in certain aspects of your job, it's really going to depend. Are you more efficient? Can you do the same thing at home as you can do it in the office? And for ones, I think that it does apply for, and for others, it, it, it really doesn't. But I think that, that, that developing a strategy, uh, a workforce strategy, and technology needs to be part of that strategy. We talked about this on the occasion, John, about you know, planning for the future. Here you right. go. Yeah. Perfect example. If you're putting your budget together for 2021, technology, work from home strategy needs to be a line item. Very good point. Whether you use it or whether you don't. Yeah. I, that's, that's what we've been sharing with our clients and saying, hey, you need to think about workforce technology if solutions if you're going to be working from home, if you're going to have your staff work from home. You need to build that strategy and understand what are the costs associated with that. We can help them, obviously, with that to say, here are some of the things you need to think about, but ultimately it's their decision. But I think that's just a small part of the strategy. Again, we talked about policies and what are the policies that need to go uh, along with that. Uh, other HR issues, I mean, that that I'm not another person to talk about, but I think when you look at that, you, you have to look at the whole spectrum of how it impacts an employee. And I, I, one point I'll make for our listeners too is that if you do have, uh, uh, if you are working with offsite employees, make sure you talk to your lawyer and your insurance company yep. uh, to make sure because because a person that falls in their house technically could claim workers' compensation uh, if they're working on the clock for you. So uh, those are issues. That yeah, you look, need I'll to even work. throw this one out there. What mm-hmm. happens if you have a computer and you're working from home and you're a victim of cyber of a yeah, cyber crime? You point. have cybersecurity insurance. Are you covered? Yeah. I don't know that answer. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. There's so many because they're saying, well, it really, if you if it was the person's computer that they work, you know, from from home, and it's their own computer, that's not our problem. Yeah. Right. And then the employee can be like, well, I was working on it. I was on the clock. So there, there's a lot of gray area that I think people need that, that we need to be cleared up. And I think defining as much as we can and setting setting the expectation is is uh, is very important. You know. I think you're going to see one of the things I can tell you, I'll share you what I've seen in, in, in the past four to six months is, you know, everybody thought that things were going to be slow from an IT perspective. If anything, I think it got busier. Yeah. People 
realize that technology, especially cloud technology, is a technology that needs to be more that needs to be readily adopted to have that ability to you know to work remotely, right? Um, and we've seen that. We've seen a lot of people have having their own EHR systems, um, you know, like SIS and, and HST, uh, uh, where they have models that, that you could, that are cloud models that they can do the same work and adopting those, those, those technologies to be able to do it and, and not having to worry about, now I got to put in another layer of security and, and, and more licensing for remote VPN and all that other fun stuff. And I, I would like to remind our listeners, too, that uh, by purposely considering hiring people or using people off-site, uh, that opens up a whole uh, different uh, group of individuals, uh, more individuals that uh, – a pool of individuals that you didn't have access to before that uh, that can work remotely from home. As always, it's great talking to you, Nelson. Thank you for having me again, John, anytime. And, and, to, and to the AC community out there, you know, stay strong. We're all with you. Um, you know, you can always reach out to, to myself and John directly. Any questions that can start that, that community population, you know, we're dedicated. We're we're going to be doing that. If I can make a really quick plug there, John, if I may. Sure. On, uh, on September 16th, we uh, we are going to be having a town hall meeting that's focused on just the ASC industry where you have an opportunity just to uh, ask questions. We're going to have a, a skew of uh, of different experts in different areas. And we're going to probably do this on a quarterly basis. We did it with a focus uh, in the past with this medical practices. And the ACs were like, hey, what about us? There you go. On September 16th at, at 12 o'clock Eastern time, um, you can go to medicusit.com under our, under our events page and you'll see it there. So we'd love to see you there. And now, you'll see John at our next one for sure. Nelson, uh, you're going to have to say that last bit, uh, bit again. We we're, we have actually a poor connection with you. breaking up. Yeah, so. you've been breaking up a little bit. But at the Maybe. end, the very important part where you told them when, uh, when it was, that's oh, when sorry. we lost okay. you. Okay. So hang on. So it's, so we it, can do a- I'll go slow. <laughs> sure. So it's the uh, ASC Town Hall webinar where we're focusing just on your questions. So you, we are having it on September 16th. At noon Eastern Standard Time, medicusit.com events page. Did you get it, John? What was the date again? September 16th. Beautiful. And we'll we'll put a link in the uh, the show notes for awesome. this too. Yeah, I'll send you uh, I'll send you a, a link of the of the uh, landing page so that people, if they want to register, they can register. So. And we uh, we do apologize to the audience. We're having some technical uh, challenges between uh, Nelson's studio and our studio. I don't know what happened there. Probably everybody's on uh, on Zoom right now. <laughs> yeah, right. As always, Nelson, it's great talking to you. Hopefully, we'll get to see each other in person sometime soon. But in the meantime, thanks for all the hard work that you're uh, you're doing. Thanks, John. Appreciate it, Susan. Nice seeing you again. Take care, guys. You too. Bye bye. You're never alone in the ASC industry. Many organizations are eager to provide an opportunity to keep up on all aspects of running an ASC. And in this section, we highlight some upcoming events. 
So in the past, this used to be a very long section. It was. It's very short nowadays. Yeah. And so if you'd like your event to be included in the podcast, please send the event information to info mm-hmm. at ASCpodcast.com. And that includes virtual things, too, that's because right. I, that's kind of what everybody's doing now. But we, it can be hard to find those. It is. And it, and that's what I've, I've been challenged with. So really, the only stuff that we have are those organizations that have reached out to us. Mm-hmm. We really haven't had the time to go through and try to search every state to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on. The California Ambulatory Surgery Association, or casurgery.org, has gone big time into virtual conferences. If you visit their website at casurgery.org for a full list of upcoming virtual conferences... And John, why don't you talk about the one that you'll be doing? Yeah, I'll be doing uh, an exciting ASC Financial Boot Camp on Friday, October 9th. And uh, when I talked to to Beth last week, she indicated that she's opening this up for anyone that that wants to sign up for it. And you do get a discount if you're a member or we can show that you're a member of any state association. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was great. Uh, It is There is a charge for it, a minimal charge for it. Um, And we'll go through a lot of the, the basics of ASC Financial Oversight. Uh, so I'm I'm very excited about doing that. Again, it's uh, Friday, October 9th. Yep, and I kind of had you say that because I just couldn't say the words exciting financial. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I know you actually get – that tends to be a really popular it one. It is a so, very popular you know, one. Just, I think I'm a lot of – Yeah, a lot of staff, you know, find that uh, especially uh, nurse administrators are, mm-hmm. are, are challenged with financial issues. And yes. It's an important topic. It is. Um, and the Ohio State Association Conference that was to be held September 30th through October 1st has been canceled. And uh, when they, so they reached out to us and indicated that there is at this point no plans for rescheduling it. Uh, I, I suspect they just will will have another one next year or mm-hmm, have their conference mm-hmm. next year. But there is no virtual one. conference that I'm aware of. But if uh, if we get any additional information, we'll be glad to uh, pass that on. So that's it for this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey. Join us again and please consider becoming a patron by going to our website at ASCpodcast.com and spread the word about our podcast with your friends and colleagues and do us the honor of hitting the subscribe button. The sound editor for this episode is Susan Cronkite. Executive producer is John Gailey. Research assistance is provided by Susan Cronkite, Jenna Alvarez, Judy D'Ambrosio, Alex Borneman, Zach Calaritis, Lori Rodericks, and Denise Van Buren. Music is provided by Media Sushi and Mike Noah. And the ASC podcast with John Gailey is hosted on Podbean and is available on all major podcast channels. This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute, legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. We would like to thank this week's sponsor, Medicus IT. Medicus IT is a healthcare-focused managed service provider with locations in Atlanta, Georgia, Phoenix, Arizona, Orlando, Florida, Newark, New Jersey, and Columbus, Ohio. They advise practices and surgery centers on how to establish secure, HIPAA-compliant, and efficient IT solutions while continually working alongside them to manage IT operations, further increasing efficiency and stability. For more information, please visit MedicusIT.com. If you're interested in advertising or sponsoring the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at ASCpodcast.com. And we would like to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ASCpodcast.com.